Hello everyone, welcome back to Working Comic Podcast, Austin Asso here. Uh, in this interview, I interviewed Meki Leeper. He's a comedian and writer from Pennsylvania who's now living in LA. He's also only 24 and has so many credits and he makes me feel bad about my comedy life. He was recently on the Late Late Show with James Corden. He was in Just for Laughs, New Faces. Uh, he was on Comedy Central's Up Next. He was also named a comedian you should know by Vulture in 2018, and he wrote for the 2017 White House Correspondents' Dinner. Jesus Christ, how the fuck did he do so many things? Uh, guys, so in this interview, we talk about everything from uh, dropping out of college to fully pursue stand-up comedy, traveling to, and booking shows in comedy, even before you're famous. We talk about uh, how a random chance upload of a set to YouTube led to him writing for the 2017 White House Correspondent Center and then the snowballing of success and what that looked like and how that happened. We also touch up on using other comedy projects to enhance and inform the rest of your the other comedy things you do. For example, doing another project might help you with stand-up. And we talk about stuff like that. It's a really good interview, and I hope you guys enjoy. Wow. That's hey. me. Hey, how are you? Good, dude. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, man. Super I'm, uh, impressive, man. I'm excited to be in a excited to be in a nice place in North Hollywood. Thanks. It is a, it is actually a nice place. I don't know if that's clear. Thank you. Did you ever talk about it? Um, I don't I only had Michael Longfellow here and while well, I had furniture. Oh, okay. So no one saw it yet. Right. Well, this Buy is furniture a, now. Yeah, it was a good spot. Thanks, good man. Spot. Yeah. Got some Facebook Marketplace furniture. Wow. I might have mentioned that before. That's but good. you can get good deals on the Facebook Marketplace. I like never... a tenth of the price. You know what? I, I just have a really organized roommate who took care of everything. Really? And he, uh, yeah. And he kind of like put our, like, like when I, when I moved to LA, it was like this random guy from like a roommate app or whatever and I moved in with him and we were subleasing from this other dude who had all this furniture and stuff and uh, we were just kind of like look man you could either pay somebody to move this stuff out of here or we'll take it for like frankly nothing Whoa. and uh, and he just like organized all that we got all the stuff out of there took care of it dude he's like my roommate JS shout out is uh, dude he's like the most organized like not cheap, but just like financially so responsible. Really? It is crazy. Well, that is a good move to just buy all of someone's furniture for nothing. Yeah. And just be like, yeah, we'll get it out of here. And then your apartment will be empty. Like, cause it was move out day. So that's genius. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the move. Smart dude. Yeah. I take no responsibility for that. He really, uh, he killed it. Yeah. But, um, so you're from, uh, Philly. Right, or uh, Pennsylvania. Well, I, st- I started. I started comedy in Philly. Yeah. Okay. I, I grew up in uh, in central Pennsylvania, in like a very in in. Uh, oh well, uh, like cornfields. Kind of. Yeah, a lot of trees, a lot of nothing, a lot of hills. Yeah, Pennsylvania's lot. pretty like, like just fields and stuff. But yeah. maybe not. I don't know. Like when I would go through Pennsylvania, I'm from the East Coast. It was always like. Because I would visit my uh, my cousin at UPenn. Not UPenn. Penn State. Oh sure. I mean that's like pretty representative of what. Yeah. Uh, Pennsylvania's like. Except for except for Philly. And people are like, oh, yeah, Pittsburgh and Philly, and then it's Alabama in between. But it's like, no, nah, dude, Pittsburgh is also Alabama. Philly yeah. is different. The rest of the state is one thing. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, man, so, I, I, yeah, I grew up I grew up there. 
went to went to high school there and all that stuff and then I moved to Philly for college I went to Temple University oh nice yeah and so that was where you really started doing stand-up comedy or did you start in high school uh no I was not doing comedy in high school I was like making videos I started yeah. making videos when I was like a little kid like the sketch videos exactly. like YouTube videos stuff like that right yeah and then I just kept doing that in college and then I was like ooh we should probably have like comedians in this so that they're funnier and then I was like I'll start doing comedy so I can meet comedians sweet so how was uh you said Temple yeah cool so how was um like the comedy scene there was there much of one. Philly's great. Yeah, Philly has like a good but small comedy scene because New York is like, I think it's closer. Like there's no city that's a, a relatively large city that's close to LA the way that um, New York is big and then Philly's like also big but pretty close. Yeah. Um. So we just, it's like the Philly scene bleeds a ton of talent to New York. So it's not as robust as say like Denver, or like Atlanta. Like if you have to move eight hours to get to the next step, you really consider it for a lot longer. And so you stay in your city, you stay in your scene and you develop it and make it like better. So I think that's why like Denver comics like maybe come out strong and, and also produce really good shows that have been around for years. Where like Philly comics, a lot of them are like, let me leave after like two years. Like I left after like two years. You know Because I mean? it's so close. Because New York is right there. It feels, yeah, it's so accessible to like move on to the next yeah, place. Yeah, that so, makes sense. But yeah. Was there a, a comedy scene at Temple? Um, there was like a, there was like a stand-up comedy club, but the years that I was there, it was, it was more or less defunct. Um, I think it was around before and then it's, it's around now. I think there, there are Temple kids that like do stand-up uh -huh. way more than when I was doing it. And, uh, I think they have like their own like scene, which is wow. pretty cool. Do they look at you as like a hero I, from Temple? I should hope not. No, they shouldn't. And, uh, no, I, but I don't, I don't know any of those, those, those guys. Yeah. Uh, you just know of the club existing. I just, yeah, I just know that there's like a club or maybe it's not even a club, but like there are like students that put on a ton of shows now, which is very cool. Um, Cause there wasn't that when I was there and I tried and uh, just like never panned out. Well, so when you were, uh, you know, in college doing stand-up comedy, hmm. um, were you, you finished college, right? No, you didn't. I did not. Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember hearing that my friend, do you know Salmazaki? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. Yeah. yeah. She recommended me to uh, interview you. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah, she's the best. I met her I met her in New York. She was like an intern at, at uh, Stanford, oh, New York. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But she's like a UCLA person. She's so who, funny. Like, yeah, shows. she's graduating now. Right. I mean, she's that kind of same person as like these like Temple kids now that are doing it where it's like uh, she like produces a bunch of shows and like really, really is committed to like, like loves comedy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, seems like like actually going to do it. Right, right, right. So wait, let me, uh, I, I want to ask about your process to coming to that decision to drop out. And like, was it related to comedy or were there other reasons? Told, yeah, hundred percent. I, I, um, I only dropped out because I really thought that I would be able to like make money doing comedy. Like I wasn't, um, so yeah. So what happened was like, I was doing, I was doing like open mics and stuff in Philly and then I did Bridgetown comedy festival and then a manager like saw my tape from that and like emailed me and that's when i was like oh i maybe i'm gonna like drop out because if i get a manager i bet i could like get work which by the way is wrong <laughs> that's not really? don't do that yeah even if you get a manager it's like that does not mean that you're gonna make any money um and i don't make that much money by the way but uh yeah so what happened is i, I went to bridgetown and then i like 
um, signed with my manager and I also signed with a team of agents and that's like when I was still in school so I like skipped a bunch of class to go do Bridgetown and uh, I just like got repped across the board at, at APA and I signed with Mosaic Whoa. and so it was like how old were you? Uh, 22 nice yeah so like um, so you were late you were like a senior or junior no, because I had taken time off before. I was a junior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had taken time off before um, because I would, like, fly around with my friend Chris O'Connor. And uh, we would, like, go, like just, like, buy a flight, go to Chicago, and then buy another flight and go to Minneapolis and then come home. And we would just do that for, like, 10 days or two weeks or whatever and do all the bar shows in Chicago. And Whoa. then do all the bar shows in, like, Minneapolis and then come back. Because you can get – if you do that, you get booked, like – every day for like two weeks or whatever and, and you just reached out to get booked on shows yeah you just can kind of like look on facebook credit to chris because he did a lot of that work because he was further along uh-huh. and so like he just tremendously helped me out i was like five months in the first time we went on like a trip. wow i did not have the time but that time i wasn't like because out of town comic privilege is like a real thing like if you show up and you're like hey i'm from austin and you're like in I don't know, like Philly or like yeah. anywhere else. People are like, oh, somebody's in town. Like, let's put them on our shows. That's like a new, different voice. And even if you're maybe not as strong, like if you have a decent tape and you're working on stuff and you have different things, then like you can just do a bunch of shows at one time. But uh, Chicago is a really good scene and I was bad and new. So I just did open mics in Chicago. And uh, it was really bad because all my material was like stuff for my friends at open mics in Philly. And that's when I was like, oh, you need to write, I need to write jokes that are for people that don't know me at all, which yeah. is such an obvious thing, but it takes a long time to figure out. And I was lucky that I noticed that. Did, so your jokes weren't landing in out of state? Well, I had all these, I had all these jokes about being 20 and, uh, and like everybody being older than me, which is, I think if you start comedy before you're like 22, 23, whatever, yeah. I, think, I think people do that. And, um, that's not you know what I mean? And that's like a bad... I think that's People like... People like, we don't relate to that. Yeah, and it's just like obnoxious. And also, it's not a good way to like build material or anything because you're going to just get older. And then you, your bit can't be that you're young because you won't be for very long at all. Yeah. Um, it like so immediately, like there will be younger people than you. So, but anyway, I for the first couple months, I just handled these bits about like... If, if, if you're like over 25 you're gonna die soon like haha like i not funny sucky bad material that's not funny but um then i went to chicago and did that and it was funny because in philly i was like nice to people off stage and then i would be really mean on stage and it was like that that difference was funny but if you don't know me i just get on stage and be mean it's like this sucks so i was like i should write stand up instead of whatever i'm doing interesting and then I feel like in the Midwest, people are like nicer. It's kind of weird. They don't, I don't know if that affects things. That might, I mean, yeah, that but might be part But East Coast people are clearly more aggressive. And I think in general. I think that's true. Just yeah. like a natural communication style. Yeah. And then in the middle of the country, people are like weirdly nice. I don't know. I remember I went to like visit my friend in Austin and like, like I was just like roasting him and his friends were like just so kind. And they're like, I don't, why are you mean? And yeah, just, like, didn't get it. Yeah, I think the East Coast is is typically people say it has like a harder edge. I think Philly crowds are really fun to perform for for that reason. Yeah, whether you're in like a club or like an alt like an alt room in Philly, like I think you can get away with a little like saying a little bit more. And also, I think that uh, 
they're they're tougher, you know. Yeah. Like I think that like the Philly Helium is one of the best rooms in the country. I think a lot of people think that. Um, and it's just it's like an interesting group of people. That's cool. What yeah. and that's just a big comedy club in Philly. I don't know. Yeah, the two big comedy clubs in Philly are um, are the Punchline and Helium. But then there's also Good Good Comedy Theater, which is like a great alt venue. That I I mean I guess I would compare it to like Dynasty Typewriter out here. Interesting, but. It's different than it's definitely different than Dynasty. Is the Punchline? Is it the same like group of comedy clubs as like Punchline SF? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Um. So what was I gonna say? You yeah. So wait yeah. Go, going back to the dropping out thing. So you got a manager from Bridgetown and you got a group of agents from APA mm-hmm. and you're just like fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they because I was like because I was like, I just I just felt like I should like make an aggressive move to the next thing also i didn't like college and i like wasn't what are you majoring in film okay so it's like this is what you want i mean if a group of people tell you like yeah we can like you can sit down and meet the people at you know these tv places or whatever it's like well that's what i wanted to do from film school anyway yeah like, that's the whole point uh or maybe it's not i don't know i have no idea for me that's what i that's yeah. what i wanted and so it was kind of right there and i was like there's no reason to um spend more money to stay at school awesome but but school is also valuable because it gives you like, it gives you years to not participate in society, yeah, and not feel guilty about that. You know, depending on what you do. If you're like an engineering student, it's like you don't have any time. If you're like a med student, you don't have any time. But if you're doing something like film, for example, that's all I can speak to. That's all I did. Film school gives you so much spare time that you can like either find some kind of a small like voice or just develop some other skill or do something else and that's like the true privilege of like if you can afford school and get into a a, like a a school you just have four years to like do whatever you want and have a community of friends and stuff around you right and not feel this like because i think that you know if you don't go to school first of all you have to support yourself uh but then you also feel this weird like guilt of like what am i doing you can't just take four years off of your life like yeah it's like this societal construct that like lets you do that whereas right if you're just otherwise you're just unemployed exactly a loser right by society standards and if you're a student you are in in practice you are that also yeah it's the same thing right but it's you're just you're afforded this just called yeah being in school yeah that's interesting though because it just makes me think like you know, what if people are like, hey, mom, dad, instead of going to school, what if I just like took four years off and like had a definite time period where I'm going to take time off and do this and like create the same exact parameters of school and just saving tons of money and doing that. I, and I, I mean, it's like it's like that idea is, first of all, that's that's like ridiculous because there's no guarantee that you'll walk away with anything. Yeah. Like it would be such a huge gamble to be like, yeah, just like give me a couple of years and I'll figure out how to be a professional stand up comedian. Like that's such a stupid Yeah. Um but then also most people that go to college, if you're learning some kind of trade or if you're learning like again, like law, medicine, something like I mean it's like yeah. that's totally different. You can't participate in those fields without you know, so I'm not saying that. But I mean it's like, yeah, if you're a film student you you should you should take advantage of all of the ridiculous spare time they give you because if you just do the assignments you're not going to walk away i mean at least at temple in my experience you're not going to walk away with like really marketable skills or like a a very valuable alumni network i i don't find but also maybe i'm wrong i don't maybe there are temple people listen to this and think i'm a huge piece of shit but uh it was just four years of free time 
which is a great, massive privilege. That's awesome. And you were there for like three? Did you leave beginning or end? Of- I was there for, yeah, like three and three and some change. Uh, but again, there were semesters where I like was barely taking classes because I would leave for a bunch of time wow. to do stand-up. And then you do you move right after that, right after you dropped out? Yeah, I dropped out. I stopped going to class in March of 2017, and then oh shit, wow, and yeah, and then I moved August of 2017. So you're just recently 24. Yeah, I turned 24 in September. Oh wow, that's not that. We're recent. so close to the same age. Yeah, because I was 22 then in March. Okay. Yeah, 2017. Yeah, I was just right. thinking of that. Damn. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. Um, oh, yeah, just turned 22. That's why. So, you and you moved out to LA. Moved to LA, yeah. So, what, what was the move from there? Um, I would, yeah, I mean, I'd love to say that, like, well, you know, man, like, you just have to focus on, no, but my, my, like, agents and manager told me to move to LA. So, I just, yeah. But I also, I, I had done, I had done a bunch of stuff and I was really, really lucky because I had a group of, Friends around me, this guy John Del Vicio, this guy Luke Strickler, those NYU student who makes stuff out here now, and John Del Vicio is like an improviser in Chicago now. Um, they were super great and super gracious, and we made like all these sketches together. It was super fun. My friend Pat O'Brien like helped a ton, and he does like cool video stuff in Philly now. So like that was a great group. And then um, uh, Kate Banford and Aaron Nevins, the people that ran Good Good Comedy Theater in Philly, were doing all of these they were doing all these like crazy like concept shows that were like monthly until they opened yeah. their theater. So they would just run out all these black box spaces and put up these crazy shows. So I had made a bunch of videos of my friends and then also had put up all these live concepts, like weird shows. I yeah. did this crazy show with my friend Joe Bell that eventually like, I, I, I like did a different thing with that. There was like a one man show thing out here whatever but it just like it like a lot of those things laid the groundwork for me to be able to um pitch stuff and it's a lot of it has to do with like the opportunities and um help that i got from people in philadelphia so it was less about like i just want to do stand-up and more about like i have all these like show ideas and i have some stuff that i wrote and i have a bunch of things that i shot and so it felt like la made more sense yeah you could maybe sell something right now so your live shows translated into a lot of the content that you're like pitching and stuff now one of them yeah i mean the first show i did i did for like six months it was basically like it was basically like at midnight like i was just i was more or less like ripping off at midnight i guess yeah. but i was just doing it because uh i wanted to feel what it was like to like put together an entire show you know so just put together this massive powerpoint have a panel of comedians on and just produce something that was a little bit complex but then after a couple months i was like well this isn't I can't do anything with this. Yeah. So then I made um, this other show with my friend Joe called Focus Group that, um, I don't know, it was like a little little Nathan for Yui and like a little like, we just played like a, like ad executives at like a, at like a fake like marketing ad company, I guess. Yeah. And so, but yeah, we did that for like six months and every time we would like, we would like market a, a product or a company to like a demo that they weren't hitting you know what i mean so yeah. like where there's originals but for teens and millennials or like mountain dew but for the one percent yeah, yeah yeah and so but then when i came out here i like pulled all the stuff from that show that i made and like joe made some stuff in that show that you know was like so cool and so interesting but i like couldn't i wasn't gonna like take his stuff yeah you know I mean? so i just like pulled the stuff out of the show that i made 
and like ideas that I had, and then I put up a show here that Comedy Central watched, and then they, oh like, wow, they like bought that as like a like a digital presentation thing. So you did a live show, and then Comedy Central people came. I'm guessing through your like managers or agents or something. Yeah, Comedy Central like put up the show at. Oh. Um, they do like a they do like a thing every month where they put up a, like a weird concept show, um, and uh, so. Yeah, Comedy Central's been, like, so generous and so cool and gave me a lot of opportunities, too. Weirdly similar to Good Good, where it was, like, they saw what I was doing and, like, they liked it and, and just helped me inflate that to, like, a bigger thing, if that makes sense. Wow. So how did they see you in the first place? Was it through your representation now? Uh, yes. Or they, I think, I think Big Sky Comedy Festival, they yeah. might have, like, I, like, hung out with them more there, too. Yeah, I think I just met them at a meeting, but then got to really spend time with them at that festival, which is like one of the cool, valuable things about certain festivals. If there's, you know, if there are industry there, um, it's an opportunity to like just talk to them and uh, feel less like they're suits and realize that they're just like people trying to make things. Yeah, that's so cool, dude. Um, and then what I want to touch up on. You, in 2017, you wrote for the White House Correspondence Center. I know it's a random yeah. change. Um, yeah, well, yeah. That was another That was another reason that I, like, that I moved and that it felt okay that I moved. And also a thing that helped me uh, get representation was that, I mean, this, sound, this sounds like made up, honestly, but here's literally what happened. Um, I would go on those trips with my friend Chris and, like, Again, I don't have any money in Philly. You know what I mean? Like, my parents don't have money to give me or whatever. Like, I was just, like, working a job and taking the like, student loans that I would get back that I was supposed to use for, like, apartment, food, whatever. Yeah. And living in, like, a shittier apartment and, like, using some of that money and money I was, like, from working to, uh, to like, buy a plane ticket, go to a city, do all of our shows. Wow. So I think the third time that we did that – we were hitting cities we'd already been to to just go back to them. And it was Denver and Chicago because those were our favorites. And so I got this tape of me. I went and did New Talent Night at Denver Comedy Works. I was like, we have to be in Denver on a Tuesday because that's the night that that happens. So because we were out of town, Deacon Gray, who recently passed and was like a very cool guy. Um, uh, it was, I mean, it was just lucky that I got on. So I like went and signed up in an open mic. But it's Denver Comedy Works. So it's like... The open mic is as good as the best show anywhere else in the country, you know? Yeah, and so it's, like, it's a it, better or smaller scene. So. Well, I mean, Denver's actually like a relatively sizable scene, but it's is like it huge? the audience. It, I mean, I, yeah, it's like if you're talking about scenes that are not L.A. or New York, yeah. like Chicago, Denver, Atlanta, like those are like San Francisco, you know, Boston's good too. Yeah. Austin has a you know has a lot like those are good ones and like philly is like smaller minneapolis is smaller i don't know so uh but the open mic there is absolutely incredible and literally all that happened was that i i got to go up i did five minutes super gracious of them to let me on and then my buddy chris filmed it on his phone and then i was like this is a good tape and i uploaded it to my youtube maybe like a hundred people watched that i have no idea i have asked him about it many times a writer at the Daily Show uh, named David Angelo, who I've I had never met, really, and he was one of like the hundred people that saw it. And then when Hassan was putting together the group of people that he wanted to write for the correspondence dinner, David gave him that tape and was like, "Hire this kid." 
And so Hassan watched the tape and then he sent me an email. The subject subject line was just, he like followed me on Twitter and I was like, that's weird. And then like an hour later, I got this email. The subject line was just writing gig. And it was like, hi, I'm Hassan Minaj, like blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be the host of the, (laughs) but yeah, I was on like a train and I was like, what is like, this must've been like one of the coolest things that ever happened. Yeah, it was crazy. But it was also, it's one of those weird things where it's like, you always dream of getting like a crazy email or something like that. But it was such a big opportunity for me in a, in, in like a place where I was so nowhere that I couldn't even fully appreciate the, like what was happening. You know what I mean? I was like, I know that I shouldn't have a writing job right now. I know that this is so crazy. This is the luckiest thing ever. Like I don't deserve this, you know, all that stuff. But I just didn't get how big of an opportunity and how rare that was. Like, Hassan and Prashanth, like, those guys are the best. Patriot Act is great. Like, they're the best for taking a chance on me and, and David, too, for, like... That's unreal. Finding that. Yeah. And that, that changed everything for me. Like, absolutely, that changed everything. Was I that would, before you did Bridgetown? That was... N- no. Uh, actually, yeah, that was before I did Bridgetown. So it was, like, my manager, who's my manager now, saw the t- that tape where I submitted for Bridgetown, she emailed me. And then like three weeks later, a different tape got me the correspondence dinner. And then I told her about that. And she was like, what? And then, uh, but so when I clearly your tape was already good enough to get in Bridgetown because they reviewed it and sent you emails and stuff. Yeah. So that was, yeah. Then that was, they weren't related. That was not, those two things were completely independent of of each other, which was weird to me. And they both happened in like a three week, like, which is crazy, which is testament to like, oh, well, you can't be an imposter if you got two separate tapes. And Uh, I think you could still be really lucky. And that's, that's exactly, that's exactly like, uh, how I feel. And the other tape was like, the other tape was lucky too. The truth of that is like, I wasn't past the helium punchline and I didn't have a way to get a really good tape so I could submit to festivals. So I listened to Mark Norman's podcast, Tuesdays with Stories, all the time. And I found out that he was taping a special on like a Friday in New York. And I knew the date. So I was like, okay, well, a couple days before that, that week, I'll put on a show at a theater in Philly. And he can headline it and just run his hour. And it won't draw away from his New York show. So I like knew somebody that used to know Norman from like years ago. And I like begged for Norman's personal email. Psychotic, never do that. Uh, And I sent... Uh, Mark Norman an email that was like hey man like I don't have any money I can't pay you or whatever but if you want to run your hour before your special I'll put up a show at this like 100 seater in Philly sell it out and you can just come practice the special wow and you did free tickets or did you charge it was like it was like five dollar tickets but it was through an improv theater so they like kept all the uh, okay money. so I didn't get any money from that and I don't think I don't know what they paid Norman they definitely paid for his travel I don't really know how that works but uh, first of all, would never do that now. Would never ask a comedian to perform for an hour without being able to like pay them a bunch of money. And also, uh, only worked because he's a guy who like will do a set a lot of places and also had a special to practice for. But anyway, I wasn't past at a club. I couldn't open for any headliners or anything. So I was just like, I'll put on my own show. I opened for Norman and that was the tape that got me Bridgetown. And then the Comedy Works tape was me like just getting lucky and getting on an open mic in Denver. And wow. that was the tape that got the correspondence dinner. So that's insane. It's just too, it's just, it's just like, it was just me being extremely lucky. Like, so it was one, just one thing after the other. Yeah. Just like really lucky things happening right next to each other. And then also people really taking a chance on me. Like that's all it is. So how did your like comedy career change after that? Did you find yourself getting a lot more opportunities for things? Um, credits like that? Not real. I mean, yes and no. Like, uh, 
No, it's not like I like got a ton of stuff after that. I don't think really. It just it like it like opened the door. If you're like a young comedian who has a writing credit, I just it makes it like a lot. I mean, that's the only reason that like my like agents signed me. I think because they were like, okay, you can write, you can do this, you can do that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that was like a helpful thing to have yeah. on a resume, probably. That's awesome. And then, so now, <clears throat> as of 2018, um, I mean, well, you did the Late Late Show. That That's like recorded live, right? So It's like live to tape. So okay. That was the day of. Is that, what is that what you mean? Yeah, it's the day of, right? Yeah. They do it like the afternoon or something like that? Yeah, they record at like 5 and then it comes out at 12.30. Okay, and that was just recently, like two weeks ago or something? Three yeah. weeks ago? Yeah, that was like two weeks ago. Damn. Yeah. And then that just happened from... The other stuff. No, that was from uh, that was because the booker saw me on the um, the vulture like top. Oh, really? Comedians to watch list. Yeah, and and again, it's like that's because how of, do these things? It's so interesting. They're all like these little random things. That's that, how it goes, you know. But I had also I had been trying to do late night. Like I tried to do I tried to do a different late night. So I had like prepped a tape before, and then but it's I don't know, dude. It's just like people people giving you opportunities and then like trying to respect those as much as possible. And then also just getting extremely lucky. Like late night for me was trying to do a late night and then, uh, them passing and then me just having a tape that was like ready to go. Like this would be my late night and then doing Cameron Esposito's show, put your hands together in LA Mm -hmm. where I recorded all these like other different jokes. And then the booker of this was like, I like the first half of the tape but I don't like the second half. Do you have anything else? And then I just had this recording from put your hands together. And I was like, what about these jokes? And he was like, I love these jokes. So let's put these two halves together. And that was the set. Wow. So the process for that was like three weeks, but there were two, again, this is like a lucky thing. Cause I think that process is maybe a little longer can be sometimes it would have been for me, but they were like, there was like another show that was like, we'd also like to do this. And so I was like, well, there's another one. So can we just hurry up and like, Wow. Make it happen. That's so cool. That, I mean, it's lucky. It's like very, it's like very lucky. It's crazy. All these just different little things and then people find you from each thing and it's just like totally random and serendipitous in a way. Yeah. I think that, I think that, I mean, it is not me being like uh, wise or like calculated or like knowing what I'm doing literally at all. But you have to have a certain amount of skill to even get in front of these people and perform and not totally bomb i think that i mean yeah that's to some to some degree that is true but there's a lot of like really really funny comedians like i think that like i don't i don't know that's the that's the odd thing about it how do you do how do you feel like you do under like pressure situations i do better under pressure yeah i yeah i mean i like i like knowing when uh like it's like hey don't fuck this up that helps me, I think. Really? Like if someone if you know someone's watching or something. Yeah, like I, I like have a thing with like um I'll just I, I always tell everyone that like I prefer to know. Like if someone's here to watch me from wherever, tell me because I'd rather know. That's and you I feel like you do better. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Do you change like your frame of mind like what happens? I don't know. Okay. It's just like a thing where I'm like I'm just like, I just like, don't mess this up. If it feels like I have something to lose, like I, I like it better. I don't know. That's so interesting. Cause that is a, like there's a, like that psychological principle or something where if you're 
like really practiced at something, then when a crowd's there or people are watching you, you'll do better. And if you feel any kind of insecurity, you'll do way worse. Like some side of sort of psychological. I mean, that makes sense to me. I've definitely, I've definitely like, I definitely, I do one, one thing I do way worse is like, if I think too much about other comics watching me because, and I think it comes back to really feeling like super lucky about a lot of the things that have happened for me and, and like, I don't know when I think about other comics watching me, people that I really think are like super, super funny. That's where most of the pressure comes in. Because I think when somebody's watching you and they want to like do something with you or they want to like give you something or do something for you, that's like you just want to put on a good show. Yeah, and they're be like supportive. Yourself. Yeah, you like lean into who you are as much as possible. But then I think when I think about other comics watching me, I'm like, these are people I have a ton of respect for. And I'm not talking about like famous comics or something. Yeah. I mean, just like my friends and my peers and like people here in LA that, you know, like I'll do open mics with or that I just have, uh-huh. you know. Because I think that they're super funny and we're, we're all in like the same soup together yeah you know and so yeah i don't know that's interesting um do you how do you okay i'm trying to figure out a question do you feel like you riff more or less or like trying new things more or less when you're like under that pressure do you just feel more comfortable i do not try new things under pressure no unless i'm like doing a really long set so like the first time i headlined a club i was I was not trying new things then either, just because I was, I, you, I don't know, man. Uh, when I first started doing that, which was last year, I really do think a lot about, and this is on the advice of people that are more experienced than me. This is not me like thinking of this, but those people that are there, like paid 15 or 20 bucks or more or to see you, and then they have to buy two drinks, and they have to like get a babysitter to go out, and they have to, so... I, I heard know, this thing with the babysitter. I feel like someone said that specifically. A lot of people say that, I think. Oh, really? Maybe I that's think, just a thing that's said. What is a thing? Because it's true. You know, yeah. it's like, and, and you do, I, I mean, I personally think, and this is not me saying like, and if you don't do this, you're a piece of shit. Like, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. I personally am like, I don't feel like I've done it long enough or that I'm just like this raw, super funny. And I know people like that who are just so funny where it's like, fuck you, let me just do my thing and it'll be fine, like like it or not, because they're that funny. And I'm yeah. not that funny. And I do think that it's like a serious, it's like a job and it's a responsibility to to not take it for granted and fuck around and be like, yeah, whatever, they'll come back. like, Or, or this place will book me again or like whatever. Because they don't have to. It's all people. It's like all the way up to the top to the most powerful whoever. It's like, it's all just people. And if you're, I think if you're like rude or shitty, um, it really reflects poorly forever. Yeah, of course. People do not forget things. So, and I and that's true of of uh, crowds too. You know, those people that they like work really hard and they have like a a night off. Like I so uh, so when I first started doing clubs, it was like I just pretty rigidly stuck to material, uh-huh. and then I realized that that's not that that's that like taking it seriously and only doing your material material are like not the same thing. Yeah, because you can within those boundaries still like. Do crowd work and be present in the moment. Yeah, and it's way better if you do. So that was just like a stupid insecurity that I had. And I also, I really, I had it in my head that like only certain types of comics can do crowd work, which is not the case. Like I think that crowd work is really cool and it's like a good, it's like a good thing that audiences enjoy a lot. And I think a lot of times, especially in LA or New York, like comics will, or in like alt scenes, like comics will think that like crowd work is hacky or like, hey, what do you do? Like, 
are you guys dating? Like that, that there's something like wrong with yeah. that or whatever. And it's not, it's just different. It's just a different thing. Than, so do you do it a lot. Uh, uh, yeah. Now I, tr- now I try to do that. You know, now I'll, I'll, I'll try mostly when I'm doing long sets, like to make, to dedicate like a part of the set to just that. Or if I was better, I'd be able to really easily do it with like weave material in with crowd work. That I'm oh doing. yeah. Like, and that's, somehow relate it yeah and that's not that's like a that's like a place i need to get to i'm very you know it's like i'm new at it and i watch comics that are way better than me do it all the time obviously like big j can sit there and do that forever but like tim dylan's so good at it mike racine's so good at it like there are a bunch of people that do well with uh crowds and i think that that's super impressive how do you approach it do you like write stuff for types of people beforehand or do you riff no. like i don't get some Just people a, do that just I uh, just like riffing, just like, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, I think the thing that happens, and again, I'm not speaking as like a. I think there's another important distinction. I sometimes am fortunate to headline clubs or like headline colleges, but I am not a headliner. Like that's not. I'll do it, you know, a few times a year, like several times a year, and it's becoming more like. It'll be like once a month or you know whatever, but I don't, you know. I'm not here to be like, I'm a headliner. Here's how it is. Like, ask somebody else that because I'm new. But um, I think that what happens is that you run into the same stuff a lot. And so you can, you, you just know a little more of what to expect. Yeah. Um, it's like you almost through riffing wrote things in a way that you could recycle. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or or you, yeah, you start to get a better understanding of like what people think is funny in the moment. Or what people will probably say, or how much easier it is if somebody, if, if like a crowd can tell that you're coming up with something right in the moment, like it's definitely way easier to be like, this guy looks like this, or what? I mean, yeah, I don't know, like or, them or something in a way. Yeah, because it's more fun. It's like really fun. Like crowd work is super cool. The material is also cool. I don't know. Why yeah. Am I, why, am I being, why am I being this diplomatic? Too no, crazy. that's interesting. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, going back to the. Uh, why I asked about the pressure thing. I struggle so much with, I'm the exact opposite under pressure where I just feel so not myself. I don't know why I'm trying to figure it out, but I feel like I, when there is something to lose, I don't know why, but I have like a complex where I just like blow it, which is terrible. It's the worst thing ever. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's like, maybe I should like strictly do just my set better word for word or something like Mm. i don't know why like when you're practicing your set do you like do you know like where like are you like how close to the exact i end up being i end up being pretty close to almost every time yeah like the yeah like if i'm trying to do a set and i'm like it'll probably be this long like in my in my note in my like set lists i have like how long the jokes are like with a little number next yeah one or two or three or whatever um, but that's just me. I mean, other people stick to the letter and it's always the same like stuff when they go into a joke. Other people, it's like never the same. I don't, I don't think there's a right or wrong way or like a solution yeah. to that. It's like whatever you're most comfortable with. But I will say that, um, as far as the pressure thing, like when I did, when I did late night, like it's not that much pressure. Like it's a lot of pressure. Cause you're thinking about like, Oh, this will be, this is going to go on TV. But then it's also kind of like, I don't know, man. If you really believe that you're going to move on and like get to do cool things in your career and whatever, and you see yourself being like a comedian that you like, 
it's hard to find people's first late night. It's hard to find people's like there's no tape of uh, somebody's audition for like a festival or somebody's like people don't care that much. Like, yeah. like it doesn't matter if you really believe that you're gonna have like a long career in comedy, you get to do a lot of things. I think that it's like a little less precious. Like each of those scary sets are a little less precious, and it's more about like let me enjoy this and let me just try to do a really good job at being me. Because if anybody's here to see me, their interest is peaked. You know, if somebody wants to like see you at a place, I, they're rooting for you a little. So you're just like changing your, you know, mental framework instead of like, there is something to lose, even though there is a lot of pressure. It's like, more like it's just an opportunity. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I think that's the case. But yeah. So it's like that. And also, uh, I did stuff that felt, um, scarier before like the scare the hardest part of i think the hardest part of this has been like before has been like two years ago or a year ago when it's like hey so you might get to try out for jfl this year you might get to like audition for you know comics to watch this year you might hear all these things where if you get it that's a huge step and it's really helpful and if you don't get it then it's like you're then you're just doing what you're already doing which is fine you know what i mean but it's once you like have some stuff going not that i have anything going but you, you know what i mean it's like once you get past the first few things once you get past the first few things yeah exactly so getting a first job or something totally i i yeah i think like you have to get past the first interview and then like once you do that transferring to another job is like exactly. easier exactly yeah and so i think i i think that like it's way scarier to like I mean, it's way scarier to do a first open mic. It's way scarier to do your first show. It's way scarier to like go on the road for the first time, to audition for anything. Anything that's a competition is way scarier. All that stuff is like, that's the hard part. In my experience, that's the hard part of comedy. Also, I have a pretty atypical experience because of how lucky I've been. So I don't know that that really reflects what most people... Interesting. I mean, it's like, I'm not here yeah. to be like, dude, comedy is like, you do it for a couple of years and then... And then Hassan Minaj... Uh, emails email you. you. Yeah, it's like, that's bullshit. Like, that's deeply unfair. I think about that a lot. And it's like, you do have to let that go if you're going to continue doing things or whatever. Yeah. But that's why I try to not give people advice or whatever. It's like, everything that I'm saying is just like, this is... Specific to you. Yeah, and I think somebody told me really early on, maybe it was like Burt Kreischer when he was like at Helium or something, who, by the way, is the nicest, most generous dude ever. He like sat down and talked to me about... A bunch of stuff that's so cool when I was like a year anybody who's like that is like that rules but yeah I mean I think that he maybe it was somebody else maybe it was on a podcast who knows but it was like don't follow anyone's advice like all you can do is ask as many people advice as possible and then form your own conclusions because people can only tell you how to do it exactly the way that they exactly do. every person's advice is just justifying their own choices and their own experience totally and like a reflection of what they've done yeah so again it's like i know that it's like it's like it's like you've had michael longfellow on the show or like you know amy miller like those are both friends of mine it's like their careers are very different from each other they're very different from mine michael's is maybe kind of similar to mine just because of our age and yeah. stuff but like amy's really funny you know she's she's like worked for years she's way better at lots of things than i am it's like she's got a completely different skill set she's like approaches comedy way different. She started comedy when comedy was like different than it. If you start comedy today, it's different than when I started it. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, like, it's always I different. Yeah, so it's like I don't, I don't, I would ask either of them for advice about lots of different things. It's like Amy, somebody who I met 
when I was pretty early on, and it's like that's still somebody who I would ask for advice about. Yeah, she knows so much about all kinds of things I don't know. Um, and I think lots of comics are are like that. You know what I mean? Sam Talent's a guy who knows a bunch of things that I don't know. I don't know. So I'm just I'm just like not a great dude to ask for advice. I don't think I'm just you somebody. are. I mean, I'm you've just, done cool things, and then like even if obviously we can't repeat your life and or do your life, but there's some certain like commonalities or like. I don't know, at least mental frameworks that you have or like things that you do repeatedly that led to these serendipitous things happening. Sure. We're making them more likely to happen. Yeah, I think I and it's it's like such it's such like a bullshit way to think of it. But I mean, that that's true. I think the only thing is like try to be really nice to everybody. Try to like be conscious of the way that you I don't know, book shows and interact people, interact with people and like talk to people or like, I don't know. Uh, I think that if you do that all the time, that's that's like beneficial, and that's something you can do. It's like you can choose to like be nice and, yeah. and think about the way that you are to like other people. Because again, it's just people, you know. The whole thing is just what is people's perception of you, you know? So yeah, you, you have to have a brand, like on stage and then as a person. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but I yeah, and I but I do just mean like off stage. It's like, you know, it's a small it's a small group of people. So you want to be nice. Yeah. And not to get ahead, but just because it's like, this is hard. And even when you start to do things, it's like still hard. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't mm-hmm. make any money. I don't, it's not, you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah. Yeah. What was it? Like Chevy Chase, like people won't work with him or something. I don't know. I mean, maybe, or no, I think they will. I think he has a movie coming out, but really? I mean, but yeah, I mean, you never want to be, there's no reason to be not nice. And if you also, I feel like every time I meet somebody who's like, tremendously successful not every time but a lot of the times when yeah. I meet people that are tremendously su- successful they're really nice to me yeah and they're really nice to people around me they're really like such a big thing and this is so stupid to say but it's like uh those are the people that if i'm with my girlfriend they'll like introduce themselves and like say hi and, like yeah. talk to both of us you know what i mean and Stuff that's like clear that. like oh wow they're charismatic that's probably why they are successful now charismatic but also like empathetic and genuinely do like pay attention and are yeah like i yeah like um i don't know i just think it's i think it's important to be nice and like value people even if they can't do anything for you and because it's so easy to just be like how can they help me how can they help me how can they yeah and it's like that's not um yeah so i don't know i think that's yeah it's interesting there's a lot of people that are like kind of successful and then they already kind of let it go to their head and they're kind of not sure i mean yeah i've definitely seen that a bunch and i've also i definitely think the meanest people i've ever ever interacted with in comedy are like people who just are you know doing open mics at the time and uh like maybe quit later or whatever but and also that's not because they're like evil or whatever it's just like dude if you're doing this and you're frustrated this is a really hard kind of unforgiving thing to do where you have to watch your friends succeed or fail or whatever all the time. I don't know. It's just, it's like, so I, I mean, I don't, I don't even like blame people who are cynical and like, yeah, you know, but I think that's usually who it is. It's just a bad look. There's no reason to be not nice to people. You seem pretty empathetic, like good sense of like, I think empathy, which is good. I think you, which probably helps. Yeah. You, you, you should try to do that. Yeah. But I have to try to do that. I'm not. I like try. I try to do that more because sometimes it's so easy to be like, oh, like I don't know. And like, 
usually, I don't know, my predisposition has always been like if something happens to be like not fully understanding. My girlfriend's more like that and she's been like showing me to be more like that, which makes sense. For example, like something as stupid as if you're driving in traffic, like just the inclination to be like, oh, asshole, like what, what are you doing? Right. And versus thinking like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe they're late to something or maybe they're, you know, they have to go to the hospital. I don't know. My girlfriend's totally. more like that, more empathetic. Totally. And it helps me. And also I'm that guy frame all things. the time. It's like, I'm like, it's like, I like talk shit and I'm like, I'm accidentally mean and fucking, or like don't pay enough attention to someone I'm interacting with all the time. And it's like, it's less about, it's less about, are they going to talk shit on me? Or are they going to say something about that? Because they won't, you know, like yeah. most of the time they won't. People forget, people don't care whatever, but they do like, you're making somebody feel bad. And something where it's like, most of comedy is just people putting on shows for free for people who kind of want to see a show, who have no idea who you are, who have no, I mean, it's, it's like a lot of people being nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, I think it's important to like look at it as like a lot of people being nice and being generous. Like the yeah. fact that you get to do it at all is at any level. The fact that anyone It's like a luxury all, in a way. I think so. We're like in this peaceful time period. There's not like wars, giant wars where we're I mean, involved. There are giant wars. Where there happen. are, but we're not like mandated to go out and sure. fight in them. Yeah, I mean the fact that I don't have to do anything. Yeah, the fact that... We can just do this. Right, right. Peacefully. And it's, and it, and it, and it's like lots of people can't do this is the, other, is the other thing. So it's like I think about that all the time, not just with like people who haven't gotten opportunities who do do comedy, but people who couldn't even begin to think about doing comedy because it's like, I don't know, dude. I gotta have a job. I don't have time to like stay out until whenever the fuck. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, dude, it's like I only got to do this because I was in college and I was in a position where I could like work a job and be a student and have all this free time still. And you know, I'm not like, again, it's like my parents don't give me money and I don't, I'm not rich or something like that. But also the ability to afford that amount of time to dedicate to something and not have to do a full-time job and not be crushed under student debt or whatever. Cause I went to a school that was in-state and kind of affordable. So lucky, you know, um, and lots of other things. Uh, make it easier for me. I also like, I don't know, dude. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's like a picture on this or what, but I look like what a lot of comedians look like. You know what I mean? It makes it easier for people. I feel to... like you look happier <laughs> and less and youthful. I look than than, than like most a lot of comedians. comedians. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's. I think that you know, time time will run me down. I'm I'm sure, but I you know, I'm trying to keep it positive. Yeah. Um. But I mean, it's also easier for me because I look like what a lot of comedians look like, dude. It's like, if you imagine a comedian, it's either uh, like a young one that's like a white guy with glasses that looks really like, you know, marketable and like approachable or whatever. Or it's like, I don't know, maybe just an older, that same white guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so, and it's like, and it's like, that makes it easier too. I can't sit around and be like, yeah, dude, you know, I just worked hard and like, here it is. I get to do this. It's like, no, man, I have friends who are funnier and like work harder and like have been doing it longer or whatever, who just like, I don't know, man, maybe a club booker sees them and is like, this isn't what a lot of our comics who we do sell well look like. And so I don't know how audiences are going to respond to this headshot on a poster. And so maybe that makes them a harder sell. I mean, that's not fair. I don't know. So it's like, I think that's another reason why it's, it's like difficult to be entitled or mean or whatever, or feel like, yeah, dude, I worked my ass off to get here. It's like, dude, not in my in my case. That's I don't feel like, I don't know. 
you don't feel like you were the guy who's like I'm hitting seven mics a night grinding and like I'm, well I mean it's to like that I've, extent of I've like, definitely I've definitely had times in my career where it's like yeah like that or times in my life when I was in college and stuff like that where it's like yeah I'm like doing a bunch of work or passing out flyers or dedicating a, an incredible amount of time to just doing open mics and showcases or whatever but you know uh so do a lot of people you know people hustle like crazy and sometimes it yields a lot of results and sometimes it doesn't and that's like due to a million billion factors yeah and you can't just chalk it up to like i'm the shit because that's not the case yeah i don't think how did you um find yourself allocating your time to comedy in a way that you felt was the most like effective because i know it's very easy to be like i'm just so busy i can't hang out i can't do this like i i'm grinding i'm hustling but like how do you separate what's hustling for busyness for the sake of busyness and what's actually like important and helpful? Um, I think that the first two or three years that I did comedy, I think this is the case for a lot of people. Like I just kind of only did this. I like had a group of friends at college and like, you know, would like be dating a girl or something, but that definitely took a backseat when I started doing this. And then it's like, I didn't really have a serious girlfriend for a long time and I didn't really, uh, and I don't look at that as like any kind of sacrifice. It's just like allocating your time to something that is fun. And I think it's important to lean in while you still have this um, excitement about comedy because it's like, I remember starting Comedy in Philly and just being like, anybody who's holding a microphone is famous and it's such an honor to get to talk to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that's an important thing to hold on to. Because it, I'm, and also because it's like that is the truth of it. It's like getting to do comedy, it's like it's so lucky and fun that you should be like, this is great. Yeah. Um, or I feel at least like totally, I, I, I agree. So, yeah, I kind of definitely put too much time into it for a couple years. Um, but it helps. I think, you know, listening to a bunch of podcasts like this one, perhaps not to me, but. Or, I don't know, I mean, other episodes of this, or like listening to, to Pete Holmes' podcast, or like Marin's podcast, or, or whatever, just because those specific ones do do a ton of interviews with people, and are, I don't know, they're just like two popular podcasts with like a bunch of information on them that's just like free. Just another way to get resources. Definitely, yeah. Um, or to just like to just like learn about something that you're excited about, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, you're doing this... F- Full time now, which is so cool. Yeah. Uh, do you find it difficult to pay your expenses, your basic expenses? Do you have to like, uh, you know, scale down what you'd like in life? Do you feel like, or like, how do, how do you um, balance that stuff? Not. No, I don't. I don't mean. I don't know. I, I think. I think about it a lot where I'm like, I'm 24. I shouldn't have a bunch of shit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like I'm like dude, I need a, I need like a sick place. And like, I need to have like whatever, I don't know. I like downloaded StockX recently and I was like, I could probably buy some shoes off of this or whatever, but it's like, do I want to be that? First of all, do I want to be that? What is that? StockX? StockX. Yeah. It's like this, like, it's like this, like shoe. I don't even really know what it is. It's like, a, it's like a shoe app where shoe you can, app, uh, you can just like bid on like people reselling sneakers. Oh yeah. That's, sneakers it's are very much a thing. Yeah, well, I, I, I like joke about that sometimes where it's like uh, somebody will get a writing job and then the next week they have like the 
biggest sneakers you've ever seen <laughs> so in your big. life. Yeah, dude, it's like <laughs> I, it's and it's so funny it's like people that people that like still live like shit like comics that like absolutely live like shit it's like they have a writing job for two weeks and but they're like the sickest shoes you've ever seen in your life um but uh yeah no I mean I don't I don't make a lot of money but I'd also I'm not like oh my god like if that was the case I would like Uber or something like that you know Which, yeah and I don't think there's you know there's no reason to obsessively be like I just want to full time do comedy it's like who gives a shit? Like, do Uber, do, you know, I have friends that are comics that I am I literally am a fan of who also work in a warehouse or do something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do you feel like there's things that you can't do yet or, like, want to do, but, like, money's, like... Like what? Uh, like, on vacation or something? I don't... Yeah, I don't know. Or, like, do you, like, spend a lot of time, like... I don't know. It sounds so dumb. Do I spend but, a lot of time wishing I had more money or wishing I was more comfortable? Yeah. No, because I'm not, because I, I, I have the privilege of doing this when I'm young. So it's like, it's fine to be, it's fine to not, it's fine to not have like a, a, a two bedroom apartment where I like live in a room and I have an office and I have like a living room and a sick, yeah. like whatever the fuck, like I don't, but again, that's one of those things again too, like with college where it's like, if I started this when I was like 28 or something and then, you know, a couple years in, I maybe had some stuff cooking, but was maybe trying to get it going still. And I was like 32, 33, 34. Uh, obviously, it's fine to do whatever you want, but you will feel this extra pressure that will make it harder because people around you have kids and like have houses and have like really high paying jobs. But I mean, I have friends that have high paying jobs now, but I can't imagine like the pressure of that when you're older has to be even more frustrating. So it's easier. I mean, that's another way that it's like easier for me to do comedy because I don't have this like weird society thing where it's like you're supposed to have kids, you know, or you're supposed yeah. to do this, or you're supposed to do that, or whatever. And that's another place where I don't know, man. It's def it's always easier. I think it's always easier for dudes in that way because you can kind of just be like a guy that's like I don't know, man. Like I'm doing. There's a yeah. there's way more examples of that. Like women now have to get the pressure to be like married and stuff, finding someone. And it's a lot and of it happens. I know. way faster. Yeah, it's like first of all, you have the pressure. It's definitely like societally, the pressure is like if you're a woman, don't be a comedian. You know what I mean? There's like hardly examples of female comedians. You know, I mean, that's it's the like, pressure. Obviously, right there are a society. ton of female comedians, but it's like you have so many fewer people to look up to because it's mostly like white dudes where for me, it's like, if I imagine being a comedian, I'm like, yeah, of course I can be a comedian. There, it's like, there are comedians that don't have my same name, but like, like Moshe Kasher, for example. Yeah. Like we like kind of look alike and we both have weird names that start with an M. It's like, it's realistic for me to think like, oh, that'll happen where, you know, you have a ton of talented female comedians, but percentage wise, it's not, the same and mm -hmm. so that's not i can find somebody who's exactly my sense of humor who's exactly like whatever that is tremendously successful and whatever where if you're i don't know man i i, I don't know it's just it's just like it's just like so yeah, that women it, have like less people to look up to in comedy yeah that have a direct line where you can imagine yourself being in those shoes so that makes it harder to start probably which is why like they're just less and then i mean jesus christ the fucking open mic situation uh, for like years, of it's that, brutal. And it's all men and like yeah. weird vibes, right? And then also, it's like it's like the pressure to be like you're like 26, and it's like why aren't you, why aren't you like married or or whatever the fuck? And it's like, I mean, 
Jesus Christ, the kind of clock that you're competing against and like the noise you're competing against to focus on being. Wow, there's so much more to overcome. So it's just like so incredible. Yeah, to make it it's way, it's way hard. It's like, yeah. So uh, I think that probably creates an enormous amount of pressure for people. It's like, if you, I don't know, dude. It's like, if you're not a dude who starts when you're 20, <laughs> I don't know how the fuck you do comedy. Yeah. Because the odds are, the odds are like, it's not the I don't know are the odds are stacked against you or like however you however you want to say it it's like there's just so much more bullshit that you have to deal with yeah um j- like mentally you know it's like when I close my eyes to go to sleep at night I don't feel like an insane person for trying to do comedy and I think that there are a lot of people a lot of people just because of their situation it's like it does feel like am I doing something wrong and they're not but yeah the pressure's there so that's not fair and that's like. I uh, yeah. So that does it doesn't it doesn't happen too bad to me, but yeah, it's just because my situation. Totally. Um, do you find that most of your comedy income is from headlining, or is it from writing gigs, or like how do you balance um, these things? Sorry, there's a lot of things I just said. No, yeah, that's a good. So uh, what I want to do is like uh, I want to be like a like a showrunner of something. Like I look at like Lena Dunham as somebody who I'm like. I like creatively look up to her for thinking some like like creating something not on your own but like more or less on your own you know what I mean yeah uh, in tiny furniture and then having people help you grow that into something that's larger but still retaining a, a ton of uh, creative influence over like whatever the project is yeah like Donald Glover does the same thing uh-huh. Bill Burnham does stuff like that so uh. Right now, I'll like sell a small thing and then be in charge of that thing. So like, I just did a thing with with Thrillist where they ordered a bunch of like digital episodes of this, this like thing that I made. Yeah. And uh, so I guess that's a writing. Ch- there's like a writing component, but then they also like supervise like editing for for that thing. Because you then, just have creative control over it. Yeah, and I'd rather I'd rather have creative control over a small thing than be like than like work for a bigger thing though i have done that and really like doing that too in those jobs so most of your stuff is selling smaller most of your like income comes from selling smaller things so far it has been like yeah the thrillist thing and the comedy central thing are like two things i did last year and then definitely got money from headlining definitely got money from like colleges that helps too it's are you doing naca i don't i don't do naca no i didn't i didn't do that um i just get booked through WME. So like APA, like my team moved over to WME and they have like they like book colleges. Okay. Um and sometimes I'll open for somebody to college or sometimes I'll co-headline with headline with somebody or sometimes I'll just headline the college. Um and that's uh, cool. Yeah. So that's it's a mishmash of all that stuff. Nice. And do you find yourself like struggling to uh, balance time to do all these things or does yeah. I guess yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like there's so many there's so many like good comedians in LA that uh and also so many people that are just like trying it um, that it's hard to get it's hard to get booked in LA you have to really really be on top of it and uh, it like I like just bought a car like I didn't have a car for a long time so I was just Ubering so I did less things yeah of course like if every time you want to think about like okay I'm gonna go do an open mic I'm gonna go I'm gonna like leave my apartment, pay money to do an open mic, and that's I have to pay so to get there both ways for Uber yeah. in LA. Yeah, so that's like a really inefficient way. So I'd also like to say to anybody that's convinced you can just like be on rideshare out here, it's like, nah, not. I don't think 
like I really tried it and it's like that's not the case. It must have been like five to ten dollars to an open mic. Yeah, five to ten to five to ten back plus like three or five to like do it. Or you could do I mean it's like you know, they're great mics that are fucking hell, it's mics. like twenty bucks a mic, basically. It can be sometimes, yeah. So and the solution there is not to just keep doing it. It's like you can just be smarter than that. Like that's that's me like not being smart. That's not like it's hard in LA. Yeah, I mean, just it buy is hard, a, even a car payment for two hundred dollars a month, you just ten mics. It's literally yeah, it's like and if you hit more than that then you're you know, be Exactly. That's like the bare thing. minimum, like Yeah. But I was just I just like hung out long enough and waited for one of my friends to move to New York and then I bought their car. And that was Oh like, wow, smart. That was like super helpful. Uh so, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's tough to like balance. Yeah, you need a car. You definitely need a car, and you definitely. Uh, but I, I, it's like I've, I've been since I moved to LA. It's like I've been dating a girl and like have a serious relationship, and she's the best. So I want to spend as much time as I can with her, and then also work on these projects that I'm that I'm doing. And I think that I'm like very fortunate to be in a position where I feel like the projects will help me do more stand up. Yeah. And exactly. so I do try to focus on those. Uh, but yeah, it's like you can't. One time uh, somebody told me like, uh, you know, do whatever you want. But like stand up, stand up is the girl that took you to the dance. So yeah. you can't not pay attention to to that. So like I do think that that's important to remember. It's like people do if you're a stand up and you're you're like good at it or, or you've gotten a lot, a, lot of, a lot of opportunities with it people look at you differently than they look at like an, just an actor or just a writer or just a not to say just an actor like they're yeah right. it's if you do stand up though you are like writing a thing and then you are also performing the thing and so people give you more creative leeway than I think is afforded to somebody who is not like a multi-hyphenate is like yeah. a term that people say um so that's very valuable. So I, I don't know. I think that like focusing on projects and trying to do stand up as much as possible and also like have a social life and have a relationship is. Uh, How would you say you like divvy that up in a typical week? Like exactly. Um, I try to. I don't know. I try like say to, project, social life, stand up. Yeah. Girlfriend. I try to. I try to see my. I try to see my girlfriend like three or four times a week. Um, and then, I don't know. It's like every day. It's just like during the day. It's like sending emails and writing or like lately it's been like supervising editing or um i'm like making this this other thing that's like i i can't i can't talk about it yet but it's like sure. i've been touring it a little bit it's, it's this project called control room for comedy central and it's like it's like a social experiment like nathan for you type of thing that has a lot of moving parts so it's yeah. been a lot of like paying attention to that and um and then also trying to like write whatever the next thing is going to be that I'll that I'll sell. Um, and then I don't know. I still try to go to a city and like do a bunch of shows like I used to do when I was in Philly. And that takes time. It's like you got to like, and you'll reach out to people. And yeah, I mean, it's like sometimes I'm lucky to get to do a club or a college, and then also I can build around that and then go to a nearby city and do a bunch of shows or something. But other times it's like, yeah, dude, I just got to email everybody in Chicago, be like, can I please do your show? You know, and, and, and like the people, David Rodriguez in Denver is so good about that. I don't know if that's bad that I said that. And he'll get like emails now that are like, hey, I heard that I can do shows. But there are groups on Facebook where you can just, hey, I'm coming to Denver. Hey, I'm coming to Atlanta or whatever. You can put your tape in there. If people like you, they'll book you. And Denver's great because Denver, I think because of guys like Sam Talent and like the Grolix dudes and then like also comics like Rachel Weeks and other people out there. 
the prioritize paying comics, you can go to Denver and make money. Wow. You know, doing stand up. Or or well, I mean, not lose money is another yeah. big thing. And that's like that's something I learned from from Amy Miller. That's something that like you know, Sam Reddy does. That's I don't know. That's cool. Yeah. So going back to the like week and like life balance stuff. Yeah. Um, how many times do you think you still do stand up like a week, given all the projects? <sighs> It like changes. Like when I was getting when I was getting ready for, like over the past couple of months, it's been like a lot more, uh, but not in LA because I've I left a lot. I like was on the East Coast for like over a month just so I could do a set like every night on like a show on like a good show or do a spot at a club like every night. But I don't know, man. It depends. Sometimes I won't do stand up for like several days. Yeah. Um. That's cool. You find yourself leaving town a lot just to get better stage time. I'm lucky to get to do that sometimes. I don't do it all the time because I don't make that much money. I can't just like, that's the other thing. It's like you have to have a lot of money to just be like, I'm going to go to Austin and just hang out. You know what I mean? And like do shows like that. I mean, you can't, you know, you lose money doing that. But yeah, like I just did that. I like just went to that's Austin. That's really cool. Yeah. But anybody can do it, which is cool. If you have a, if you have a, like a good tape and you can like take time off work, and so I guess not anybody can do it. But you know what I mean. Yeah, like you have to you, have some flexibility. You have to have some flexibility. Yeah, like when I was in Philly, I was like a video editor and uh, going to school, and that's how I made money. And it was because my friend Chris like helped me out with an editing job, and so that's cool. And you don't have to be anywhere for that. You don't have to be anywhere. Well, I mean, he or would like you? give me work where I didn't have to. Be. Yeah, he set it up so I didn't have to be anywhere. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean. Those are massively helpful. That's awesome. Tools, yeah. Do you have any uh, stuff coming up that you want to shout out to the um, community here? Yeah. Wait. When does this come out? Um, this week. This week. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sure. If if you want to see this like control room thing that I'm talking about, um, I'm gonna announce on February 9th in LA. I'm doing two shows, uh, that are gonna be. It's gonna be the show control room for Comedy Central. It's like uh. They, they have it at the venue. They have it where it has to be like an invite only thing. So I'll post about it on Instagram and I'll post about it everywhere. And uh, there'll be a link you can go to to like ask for an invite. I, I know that sounds stupid. It is free. but That's cool. Yeah, there's like a there's like a thing where we can't just open it to the public. For sure. But anybody can come. Um, so yeah, that's like... Are we the control room? The people that go? No, you guys, it is not It is not an interactive show. Yeah, no, so don't be scared of that. It's basically like uh, I've, I like conducted a pretty like large scope uh, social experiment over the past six months. And um, I'm presenting it kind of like the way that like Chappelle's show used to be where he would go out in front of an audience in between sketches and just like set up the sketches or like talk about why they made something or whatever. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm just going to like break down how we did everything why what it was to like to prove and then like show all these like insane weird things we never expected to happen that's awesome it's a fun show yeah cool that'll be sweet um yeah and do you have any sorry no no no. yeah yeah please what anything else any like podcasts or any uh shows besides that or um social media handles i mean i'm just at mecky leaper on everything spelled the same way that I'm, i'm assuming it's spelled on this on this episode um and if you listen this long I mean, who are you if you listen this long? You must be someone who hates me to see if I'm annoying. 
<laughs> if you if you listen to me for this amount of time, an hour and uh, eleven minutes. And if if you listen to me talk for an hour and eleven minutes, it, it you are you would like you should you should be trying to use this to destroy me if that is what you are doing. I do not have enough valuable advice for this to be worthwhile. You're too kind. You're beautiful. Thanks, right. Becky. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into Working Comic Podcast. There's a new episode every week where I interview writers, directors, comedians, producers, any kind of creative thing you can think of, and also the business side of things. So club owners, agents, managers, festival runners, all that stuff. So tune in every week. And uh, also follow me on social media at the Austin Nasso on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube with Chabros, C-H-A-A, Bros, one word. Uh, We have some funny videos up, so check it out. Thanks, guys.